Welcome to Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 109. Our Sunday worship service for March 17th, 2019 is titled Beautiful Outlaw. It is the second in the series, Keep It Real. It's time to make waves. So the scripture today, Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, I wanted to show that to you because it's part of the red parts. Now, I don't know if you know about that stuff in the Bible, but the red parts, those are the parts you get on sale. No. (laughs) What's the red parts? Anybody remember? The red parts are the parts that Jesus says. So wait a minute. Not peace, but a sword. The next line is, yea, though the disciples said, what now? <laughs> it doesn't really say that, of course. But, I mean, golly, it's, sorry for the strong language, but golly, it doesn't seem to match, right? It's a what now kind of a thing. I mean, the thing that you know about Jesus is, well, I mean, what's the nickname? Prince of Peace. Over and over again, my peace I, li- I leave with you. The peace that passes all understanding. Over and over again, sleep in heavenly peace. It's one of the birthday songs, right? So what's this? What's happening there that's different than what's happening here? It could be that it's worth digging into. It could be that it's worth doing a whole Sunday talk about. What do you know? Sometimes... People say, for example, you know, I just really want to find somebody. I want to fall in love. I want to meet that special someone. I I want a life made, a partner, a soul made, or whatever you want to call it. Someone who will put up with me. I want whatever that is. I want to fall in love, but, you know, I don't really want to make any compromises. I kind of want someone to just tell me I'm good no matter what I do. I don't really want to grow or change. I want to stay the same. Well, it, it never works. Because here's the thing, man. Love is messy. You know this. Go watch Moonstruck. Love is messy. Because love demands that you move out of your comfort zone like we talked about last week. Love demands that you make compromises because love rejoices with the truth. Like it says in the Bible, love is going to make you tell the truth. When you really love, you change. That's the deal. So part of what's being said there is Jesus telling the disciples, you know, guys, <laughs> none of this means you get to keep doing things the way you used to do them. When you commit to a path, the path changes you, and that's a good thing. Because the thing is, that part, I don't know if you noticed how much of it was read. This is a whole speech that Jesus gives to the disciples. It's kind of like the graduation speech. Please change your tassels. Because Jesus is sending the disciples out into the world as if to say, okay, guys, we've been through a lot together. You know the deal. You've been part of the miracles. We talked about all this stuff. You remember. Now it's time for you to go change the world. Go do these things. It sounds a lot like a graduation speech. There's even parts where he goes, it's not going to be easy, but you can do it. That kind of a thing. And yet, there's an important difference. I don't know if if you've read that part. You should. It's in the 10th chapter of Matthew. But there's a part that you realize that this is not a graduation speech. There's a part where you realize that it sounds a little bit different. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, if you've read that passage, but there's an important change in tone. If you've ever been to a graduation, other than the parts where you're looking at your watch going, I don't even know who this person is. Please, 
please, can you just hand my kid a thing so I can go home? Pass that part. The tone of the graduation speech is always, you've been through stuff, but you know what? You can do it. Please go do it. Over and over again, the tone of the graduation speech is, don't forget who you are. The tone of the graduation speech is kind of, please remember who you are so you can go do a thing. It'll be okay. It's almost like they're asking for a favor. Please go seize the day, is the tone of the average graduation speech. But that is not Jesus' tone. Instead, the whole time Jesus says, guys, here's what's going to happen. There is no choice involved. It's not a please. It's here's what's going to happen. It is an imperative. Jesus is saying, once you make a choice, once you put yourself out there just a little bit, something is going to change in your life and you will be changed by it. In the same way that when you commit to being in love, you better be willing to change. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you've put yourself on this. I never said any of this was going to be easy. That's an important distinction. Yes, Jesus talked about peace. Yes, Jesus said over and over again, let's heal, stop fighting, let's do this thing, let's love everybody, let's forgive until you can't even remember the thing that you were forgiving. Jesus talks about radical mercy, outrageous love over and over again. This is not a passage where Jesus says, I want you to go clobber people and get in bar fights. There's a difference between authenticity and being a jerk. He's not saying that. But instead what he is saying is, when you commit to something, when you commit to a path, you have to travel light. When you decide to be on a journey, you're going to also have to decide on what you're going to let go of. Some things can't come with you on this journey. Sometimes you've got to decide what stays and what goes. Some part of you has to move forward. Because here's the thing. Peace is what Jesus talked about all the time, but here's the big revelation. Are you ready? Peace is not the goal. Peace is not the goal. Peace is a byproduct. Peace is a byproduct of your commitment to love, to truth, to beauty, to honor, to spirit. Peace is a byproduct of something. Because if peace is what you're shooting for, too much is left out of the equation. For example, peace with what? Because people can make peace with all kinds of dysfunction, with toxic behavior, with dumb stuff. People can make peace with really weird patterns of behavior that hurt people. But you can just decide to be okay. If all you're shooting for is peace, you can let all kinds of things slide. You've got to commit to something first, and the peace will happen secondarily. This is really important. Because I don't know about you, but I've heard so many people, I'm just, oh man, I'm just sick of it. People going, you know, if you were more spiritual, you'd just put up with me being a jerk all the time. Why can't you be more Christ-like and just let me run you over? Metaphorically or literally. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, if you loved me more, you'd just let me be abusive and dysfunctional and toxic and weird and bleh. If you just had more love in your heart, somehow it's your fault that I'm so weird. And I'm over it, guys. I'm so sick of the guilt and the victim blaming that comes out in the name of religion. I'm over it because that's not what Jesus stood for. Making peace is not enough. It's not okay and it ain't spiritual to make peace with stuff that hurts. It's time to get done with what we have outgrown. And that's part of what's being said there. It's time to stop giving our power away. First question for the day. Ask yourself, where's my power? In my life, where is my power? 
Because if you spend all your time tiptoeing around somebody else, feeling guilty about something, or trying not to make somebody upset, your power is somewhere else. Where is your power? I mean, when you're a little kid, a lot of time, maybe most of the time, maybe even all the time, you're given what they call external sanctions. It's a fancy couple of words. The idea that something outside of you tells you how to behave. And part of it's just because it's tough to explain to a little kid why we do things. Why do I put my seatbelt on? Well, you put your seatbelt on so the policeman doesn't see and get mad at you. Well, that's not really the reason, but you say that because you don't want to have to go into a whole conversation about how you're going to lose your insurance if you get one more ticket. You don't want to have to talk about how inertia works in that moment. You don't have to talk about all that. Because it's just not time and the kid's mind isn't ready for that or there's all kinds of reasons. Because I said so is a very popular tool of external sanctions. But here's the thing. It works really great when you're a little kid, but boys and girls, it's time to grow up. There are lots of people who still live their lives by something outside of themselves. Are you a safe driver because it's good to be a safe driver? Or are you a safe driver because you don't want to get a ticket? Which one do you want to be on the road with? It's time to grow up. It's easy to give your power away. I have a very expensive, very silly, very nerdy phone that tells me what to do. Spend a lot of money, spend way too much time configuring things and messing with settings. And I've got my phone to this place where I can ask it what I need to do next. I'll say, hey Siri, is the weather okay for me to go to a walk? Can I go for a walk? Hey Siri, can you set the alarm for tomorrow? Hey Siri, do I have any appointments? Hey Siri, is there anything on my to-do list? Hey Siri, can I live my life or do you got something for me to do? Hey Siri, Siri's very patient with me, but I listen to what Siri tells me I'm allowed to do. Talk about a golden calf situation. I made the darn thing, you know. But I know I'm not alone in that. The other morning, Siri woke me up. You're not supposed to use your phone as an alarm, but I do. And I'd had a rough night. I didn't really want to get up yet. But I'd already turned it off, so I was past the ability to hit the snooze button on the screen. And I laid there thinking, you know, I just... I need a minute here. I just, I'm not ready to deal with today, today. I'm just not into it. I need a minute. I was thinking, you know, I've only got a couple of minutes because my dog, Fresco, who sleeps in a bed at the foot of my bed, is going to, he knows the alarm went off and he's going to wake me up in a minute. So I've got, this is crucial moments here. And so I said what I shouldn't have said. Because I was thinking about my dog and I was getting ready to talk to the phone. I knew Fresco was going to wake me up in a minute. And so I said, hey, Fresco, set a timer for 15 minutes. <laughs> now, my dog does not have the power to set a timer. And I went back to sleep for a long time. But you know what? It was OK. I woke up when I needed to get up. Felt better, got in the shower, got some coffee, did my thing. The world didn't cave in. And in fact, it worked so good and I felt so much better than I had felt on a weekday morning in a long time. I felt so much better that I've decided to change my life. And so from now on, I have started to ask my dog things instead of ask my phone. I say, hey, Fresco, can I go for a walk? And Fresco's in. <laughs> hey, Fresco, do I have any appointments? Apparently, I just have to rub somebody's belly. And other than that, I'm good. Hey, Fresco. It has changed my life. It's true. It works. I recommend. Talk to my dog. It's amazing. 
when you take your power back. And the truth is, one way or another, life will give you the opportunity to get over it, whatever it happens to be. You can build the biggest golden calf in the world, but sooner or later, whether it's something from the inside or something some hero tells you, you will get over it. And in fact, isn't that what every hero does? The hero is the one who, like the child in, in the emperor's new clothes story, says, wait a minute, somebody's lying. Wait a minute, this doesn't work. Every hero, even when you look at like a business magazine, you, the, the, the goal is can we find someone to disrupt the market and challenge things? At no point does the hero model that Jesus Christ exemplifies divert from that. At no point is Jesus not a disruptor. At no point does Jesus go, you know what, let's just put up with being clobbered. Instead, it is time to stand up. It is time to speak truth to power. It is time to move forward in healthy ways. It's time to take it back. This is important. By the time we get to the end of this Easter series, I want everybody who listens to these talks to be able to answer the why Jesus question. Now, there's a million answers to that. Maybe you already have your own. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, Easter's kind of a tip-off. But we'll get there. Let's start small. Why Jesus? Well, I'll tell you why not. I'll tell you what he doesn't do. Jesus doesn't give you the power to continue to feel guilty about stuff. Jesus does not represent some kind of external authority. You better be nice or Jesus is going to get mad. That's no different than the way that we tell a kid about seatbelts. It doesn't help them become a safe driver later on. Because I said so, I ain't going to cut it. If we're going to grow spiritually, if we're going to grow as a religious movement, we've got to get to the place where our theology is not just wait till your father comes home. It's got to be something different. And the example, the life and teachings of Jesus has everything to do with accountability. Go and do a thing because you've got what it takes. It's not about what I say, it's what you feel and what you do. Over and over again, the example of Jesus Christ is go and do a thing because you got it in you to go do it. And that stinks. Because <laughs> it means I can't blame anybody. Sometimes people don't want to hear that they have to go do it. Sometimes people don't want to hear that, you know what, if the world is going to be a better place, the world is made out of people just like me, so I've got to engage in this thing. If the world is going to be better, it's going to be better based on what you and me do, not based on somebody else doing anything. And that stinks, because isn't it more fun to just blame somebody? Wouldn't it be better if I could just, I don't know, feel real bad when I mess up, instead of actually making things different? People paint an interesting picture of Jesus. You know, you've seen some of the pictures of Jesus smiling and laughing, and I love those. Those are cool, but you know as well as I do that those are in the minority. Think about the pictures that you've seen of Jesus on the average piece of stained glass. Does it look like he's happy to see you? The picture that people paint of Jesus because they have internalized the idea of authenticity to the point where they don't even want to deal with it. They just swallow it. So the picture that they paint of Jesus, it looks like somebody with a stomachache. I mean, think about it. So often the stories that we tell of Jesus, even though they don't match anything in Scripture, so often the stories we tell of Jesus are that, like your least favorite friend, the one who shows up and always got something to complain about. Like, oh, is Jesus coming? I don't know if I want to go to the movie. He's going to hate it. <laughs> you know? Oh, maybe that's why they say it. Oh, Jesus. 
Because that's the idea that people have, is that, that, that he's supposed to just make you feel bad all the time. Because the theology that gets baked into that is, I'm not going to change anything about my life, but when I continue to hate and fear and do dumb stuff, I promise I'll feel real bad about it. Doesn't that count for something? That's almost worse. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I came that your joy might be full. Oh, that means I'm supposed to be real bummed out and just continue to be weird. Something doesn't add up, guys. Maybe it's time to find a different example. Maybe it's time to be just a little more heroic. But like I said, that demands that we engage in a certain way. It demands that we do something about it instead of blaming somebody. And so people paint a smaller picture of Jesus because accountability is hard. They decide that... Jesus is supposed to make you feel guilty or they decide that, that the important thing about religion is making sure that you get to fit between your ears or in your ego and so they wheedle about Bible translations and who did what. But I got to tell you, you can't find Jesus with archaeology. This is a heart journey. Some people water down the idea of what Jesus represents by deciding that he's just one of many. That Jesus is like part of a team of super best friends. So you got like Jesus and Muhammad and the Buddha and like Aquaman. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean. And look, we want to be respectful of all paths. If we believe that God is everywhere, then you've got to believe that there is a message for everybody. That every path has a point. Yes, we want to respect that. Yeah, but get on a path. Honor a path. There's a difference because if you just say everything is everything, then you're flooding the market with counterfeit bills, if you know what I mean. And then nothing's worth anything. Pick a path. Honor the path. And for us, the path that Jesus represents is the path of accountability. Whereas other people say, someday you'll get to go away, Jesus says, right now. When other paths say, oh, you know, if you just, if you just follow all of these rules and you, you put your right foot in and you put your right foot out and you hokey pokey and you do all of these magic things, and Jesus says, it's none of that. Live this life. Love each other. Stop putting up with stuff that hurts. For Jesus and for us, the example is one of accountability. It's deciding to commit to something that will change you. Commit to something that will change you. And for us, the example of Jesus Christ is an example of keep doing it. This is important. Because some people think that the point of religiosity is that I can say some kind of magic thing and you're good. I waved my arms. I did the thing. You put on a special whatever it is, hat maybe, I don't know. Now you're done. Go and sin no more. You've messed up no more. You did the thing. You paid at the office. But that leaves too much out. I mean, can you imagine saying, you know, I don't understand. I keep putting on weight, but that one time I ate kale. I don't know why the relationship's not working out. That one time I bought her flowers. Man, oh man. If you're going to walk this path, if you're going to honor this path, it means continually paying attention to what gets to stay in your life and what doesn't get to come along on the journey. It means, spiritually speaking, taking out the garbage. That's what's going on. Here's the pattern. You commit to something. You decide upon something in life, God, the universe, whatever you want to say, asks you if you mean it. And we've talked about this before. You can decide you're on a diet and somebody you love brings you cookies. 
The example that I've used in this room before is you decide you're in a committed relationship, old boyfriends and girlfriends start calling you up. You have to decide if you mean it. This is important. Because so many times people have come to me saying this phrase in different ways. God, I've prayed for change. And now everything's changed. What do you want? What do you want? Spirituality is not about you getting to stay the same. Spirituality is about you getting done with the stuff that doesn't work. Or as Jesus said it much better, I didn't come to make peace with you. I didn't come to give you peace with the old dysfunctional stuff. I brought a sword. He doesn't say I need you to go beat people up. But he does say I need you to decide what gets cut away. Now, in the same account in the Gospel of Luke, they don't even use the word sword. They use division. I didn't come to make it okay. I came to divide, to cut out what doesn't work. It's important to understand the difference. I like the sword example because, to my mind, it, it sort of seems like a machete. I don't know about you, but I've had those times in my life where I feel like i got to get in the jungle and get some Marie Kondo action going on in every part of my life. Sometimes you've got to cut away. It makes me think of Alexander the Great and the Gordian Knot. Go look it up. That a moment of, of lateral thinking that says, no more of this drama. Let's get over it. In the Odyssey, Hermes talks to Odysseus and says, when you go to fight the bad guy, seriously, the, the big bad guy in the story, hold your sword up. He doesn't say, go beat her up. That's not what the sword is for. In mythology, across human civilization and culture, the sword is a symbol of joyous decision. In other words, I'm somebody who can decide something. It's like when someone calls on the phone, because that's how people call. And they go, is there someone who can make a decision on the phone? Can you put somebody on? It's not me. You know what I mean? Life is asking you that question. Can you bring a sword? Not to fight, but to choose. Not to fight, but to choose. Decide where your power is going in your life and decide how you can tell the truth to it. Last week we talked about the idea of committing to something so much that it pulls you out of your comfort zone. That's an internal journey. This week we take that outside and ask yourself, what am I participating in that is no longer appropriate in the life of a child of God? It is absolutely the case that when you commit to a spiritual path, it means, you know what, maybe the old racist joke isn't going to work for me anymore. Maybe the old ego trip and the old drama and the old who did what to who isn't going to work for me anymore because I have decided to be different. Maybe, just maybe, it's time for me to stand up for something that makes sense instead of letting life go by because life does not happen to you. It happens through you. So take that inner journey that we talked about last week and bring it outward. Let's be the kind of people that decide that it's worth it. Let's be the kind of people that decide that, you know what, if this life thing is going to work, I'm going to live it. I know, it sounds funny, crazy, right? I'm going to do something about it. But I'm going to say it again because it bears repetition. This is not about fighting. This is not about fighting. Once again, what did Jesus say over and over again? How did Jesus live over and over again? He didn't say, okay, guys, I need you to arm up or lawyer up or fight up, whatever you want. But he did say, I want you to choose. In other words, the Jesus Christ message has a lot to do with the idea that there's no 
bad guys. Can you be okay with that? What if there were no bad guys? What if there was no enemies? What if there was no uh, secret boogeyman hiding under the bushes? What if there wasn't anybody trying to get you? Oh, man, it's a great cop-out if you go looking for the boogeyman, looking for bad guys all the time, and you can hate and blame and fear and all of that. It's wonderful because it means I don't have to grow because I'm too busy being mad about stuff. But here's the formula. You cannot love God and hate God's children. It doesn't work. And if you believe that God didn't make some of those people, then you have a small God and it ain't going to work either. It is time for us to get over that kind of an idea. It is time for us to quit hitting people with our Bibles and start reading the things. I'm over it. It's time for us to stand up in the name of love, in the name of peace, in the name of the idea that there ain't any bad guys. There's just you and me and people like us trying to make the world a better place and the world gets to be a better place when we decide on love. I'll put that a different way. We talk about the idea. The Bible says the truth will make you free. Over and over again we talk about that idea that the truth is what you're looking for. Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? In that part in the wedding ceremony that we read when we say love is patient and love is kind, you know that part? And you know my favorite part. The part where the Bible says love does not celebrate wrongdoing, but love rejoices with the truth. That's the part that people miss a lot because they finally got that person. I put a ring on it. They have to do what I say. Does that work? Because some people use the word obey in the wedding vows. Doesn't work for me. Never has. But the idea that love is supposed to be about you validating somebody else or them validating you is really small. Love doesn't rejoice over wrongdoing, but rather love rejoices with the truth. In other words, if I really love you, I'm not going to put up with your garbage. Because if I really love you, I'm not going to help keep you small. Love is a power that says, you know what? I love you so much that I know you were meant for bigger things. And man, let's figure it out together. We're going to lock in. That's what love does. If your love tells you that you're supposed to help keep somebody dysfunctional and small, that ain't love, that's ego, and it's time to take out the trash. That's the deal. So once again, if the truth is what makes you free and God's already there for you, if you want your life to work, it has to do with getting done with the lie. So here's the question. How can I tell the truth to my life? By what I say, by what I do, by what I think about. How can I tell the truth to my life? How can I get over the the lie that there are bad guys? How can I get over the lie that I'm supposed to feel guilty about being alive? How can I get over the lie that I'm supposed to hurt? How can I get over the lie that, that there's only a little bit of good in the world? Oh man, it's great if you want to control people. Tell them there's only so much and you guys are going to have to fight over the scraps. Because if I can get people fighting each other, they don't ever question me and my baloney. But that is the result of a small idea of God. Because here's the formula. God's got this. The question is not, how can I get my little piece of the pie? The question is, how can we work together to have love happen in the world? And that's a different equation. Jesus sent the disciples out in that great, wonderful graduation speech. It's a speech for you and me. Because what he is saying to them and to us is you've made a decision 
In some small way, you've decided that you want a life that works. In some way, you have put yourself out there. This is Jesus saying, guess what? (laughs) Not everybody's going to be cool with what you have to say. Guess what? The old ideas are not going to work for you all the time. And some people say, you know, oh, can I just hold on to that? Isn't it okay for me to continue to be afraid and feel guilty and have hate and fear? I mean, I know the blanket is itchy, but it's warm, if you know what I mean. But this is about letting all that go. You are allowed to stick with what works. You are allowed to take out the garbage. You are allowed to speak truth to power. It's not even just about being allowed. This is Jesus sending you out to go change the world. Isn't it time to change your life? Isn't it time to be happy? Isn't it time to be free? Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this Sunday lesson and also for taking the time to apply this in your life. Listening to the service and participating in that way is just half of the equation. The other half, and in some ways the most important half, is what you do about it. So I'm so grateful that we're hearing so many good things from people who are applying these principles in their lives to make their lives better and in some way to make their world better. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this Easter series of lessons has all kinds of special things you can do to get ready for Easter, to get done with the stuff that you've been waiting so long to get done with, and to move into a life that works for everybody. And to do that, we've been uh, allowing all kinds of extra stuff, not just the Sunday morning lesson, but we've got activities for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. To find out more about these things and their simple steps that you can apply in just a few minutes that's going to turbocharge your healing and growth process. It's going to really be impactful in your life in all kinds of ways. To find out more about that, please follow us on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube and so on, please find out about what you can do. Or just send me an email at info at waterandstonechurch.com. Check out our website, waterandstonechurch.com, to find out more about the amazing things that are going on that are going to make an amazing difference in your life. As always, if you want to help support what we're doing, uh, all you got to do is visit waterandstonechurch.com slash donate. There's all kinds of ways you can give electronically or you can shop at Amazon in such a way that it benefits the church. We've got an Amazon wish list of all kinds of stuff that's going to help us do what we want to do. And the last thing on that page is what I want to be the first thing in your heart, and that is to support this church. The best things you can do are show up, and help spread the word. So if this has made a difference in your life today, I hope you'll tell somebody else about it too. We're here for you at Water and Stone. Let us know how it goes for you. Have a great, amazing day.